Welcome back to the 411 on Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Lovell. With me once again is uh, 411, Steve Cook. And yes, it is that time uh, of the week again for us to look at uh, the latest episode of the WWE A&E biography and Dark Side of the Ring. We'll start, Steve, as always, with uh, Dark Side of the Ring. And as you and I sort of discussed on the previous episode where we talked about the Ultimate Warrior, um, we knew this this episode of Dark Side of the Ring was going to be not a pleasant one uh, to watch and experience. And I think that is probably uh, what was a pretty safe prediction because that's kind of the biggest takeaway I had just watching this and just... Honestly, at times, just looking at it and um, thinking, my goodness, what what, what an interesting uh, human being, Grizzly Smith. Not exactly a feel-good story. It's uh, one of those things where even when you're sitting here and trying to talk about it, it's like, my gosh, uh, there's not a lot of positive we can draw from the, from the whole thing of, of Grizzly Smith and the story of his kids who fell into various issues for understandable reasons. And it's somewhat amazing that well, we can't say all the kids are still alive, obviously, and we also can't really say how many other kids Grizzly Smith might have. Right. Just uh, a, strange, a strange individual, somebody who, you know, it's weird also because, oddly enough, for a long time, he was, you know, he was in, in the office for a Mid-South. He was, he was a guy that a lot of the wrestlers looked up to, and you didn't really see it. I don't think, think you saw a lot of those people in this particular episode because the people who did look up to Grizzly Smith probably... Most of them probably wouldn't admit it today after yeah. all the various things came out. You can't really blame those people because it was easier to keep those things a secret back in these day, back in that day. I mean, it's not like now where, you know, everything's on Twitter and social media and people can still keep horrible secrets like that. But it's a lot harder now than it was back in the day. Yeah. And I think one of the things we, we had kind of wondered was, you know, what was the what was the cast of characters going to look like in this one? Um, you know, not knowing exactly, you know, who all would they talk to? We, we kind of assumed that, you know, you're getting Jake, you, you're thinking that you're probably going to get, you know, the kids. And I think it was just a matter of, okay, well, if you do get, you know, Rock and Robin and Sam Houston and, and, you know, Richard neighbors, I know was the one that, um, you know, was kind of on the outside of that because somehow, I don't, I don't know how. And, and he kind of said it towards the end about, um, you know, his adoption and sort of, that that may have been something that really saved him from a, a lot of this in terms yeah. of um, keeping him away. He was also smart <laughs> enough not get in the wrestling business. Yes, and, and so he, that, that was a good move on his part. He made that very clear. He's like, I wanted no part of the wrestling business, and and as we've seen, I mean, that's something that clearly worked in his advantage um, because he does. He just came across, I thought, as just sort of a. I don't know if you use the word normal just because, you know, you know what he kind of went through as well, but it's, um, you know, not to the extent of the others. And, and that's where I think that, you know, having Jake, having not seen, you know, we, we've heard of the stuff with Sam Houston and, you know, Michael Smith. And um, of course, you know, Rock and Robin, we can remember back from, from the wrestling part of it. But I think just having all of them like that was the only way to tell the story, because if you only had, you know, a couple different ones, you, you can't really fully dive into that but it's like for for to have all of them telling the story from their different perspectives and a lot of it you know sort of connecting to to form that you know thought on what grizzly smith actually was um that was that was a very important part of this because they they all had some some, some stories that uh yeah really really sort of um went into the again the the person uh, i think that grizzly smith was so 
And, you know, we'd, we'd heard a lot of the stories before. I mean, Jake's story's been, you know, told a time or two on Beyond the Mats and things like that. And we hear about Sam Houston. We don't, you still didn't get all the details. Like, especially, like, parts of Rock and Robin's story. I mean, Rock and Robin hasn't been in the public eye as much as Jake Roberts or even Sam Houston, for that matter. So it was very disturbing to uh, hear some of those stories, uh, you know, things that Grizzly Smith liked to do with uh, women of a particular age that's not that wasn't quite right. Uh, things he did with her, things he did with other young girls, just really unsettling, disturbing, uh, weird stuff. Yeah, I mean, it, it. like you said, I mean, we could, there was just so much in this um, in terms of those particular stories and what was told. I mean, you know, Jake, simply, I think it sort of started there where, you know, he's like, look, I mean, and I think, like we said, we, we've heard the story before with Jake and all that, but, you know, Jake's, Jake's, Jake put it as simple as you could. He's like, you know, my mother was 13 when I was born. And um, it's like, yeah, that that sort of takes it to that level. And then, you know, you have the the Rock and Robin stuff talking about how the, the you know the things with her started when she was eight or nine years old. Um, you know, she's recalling some of the incidents. I think of uh, where Grizzly Smith had, had visited her that time and had a nine year old girl uh, with him and asking you know for Robin to to make her a daiquiri daiquiri and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, my goodness. And and again, like those are just some of the stories. Like you know that unfortunately. Had they had, you know, they they probably had a lot more stories that were in the mix there that probably didn't even make it into this one hour uh, documentary, and, and that's the disturbing part of it is knowing that there were probably more a lot stories of, that the kids don't even know about. Exactly right, like you said, yeah. like you know the potential for other kids out there, and like all that kind of stuff. Like it's just um, that that's the disturbing part is knowing that what you got here was already disturbing, but also knowing that in the back of your mind you're thinking, man, these are just the stories being told. Um, there's probably a lot of others. And then of course, um, you know, baby doll, we had, we had mentioned her, we were wondering, you know, obviously with, with her, uh, connection with Sam Houston and all that, was she going to be in there? And then of course, you know, she's also telling the stories of him picking up, you know, girls on road trips and like the, the parents just waving to the girl as they're, as they're leaving. And I'm just like, Oh, this is just like, it's bizarro land. And I'm like, man, this was, this was something that again, when you think about what's told here, what could be out there that was never actually even told to anyone. Um, this is just, it goes into a very, very dark place. Yeah. To wonder what the parents there are thinking too. I mean, oh, I guess yeah. they were thinking that Grizzly Smith was uh, a wrestling hero. I guess, you know, he was one of the top stars in several territories back in the day. And I guess we talk, I, we talk about, I guess the fans back then weren't quite as smart. And I yeah. guess we can mean that a few different ways as well, because <laughs> I guess the, the parents just thought that they you know this is our favorite wrestler here taking our kid off and Lord knows the kid is probably too scared to say anything about it. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, the the aspect of that, like when you and especially back in the day, like you just said, like when you were a when you were a star, like or not I mean not even you know, you have to be a star, but like if you're someone that's just so well known in though in that kind of era especially, you know, in wrestling and knowing just the power that that wields in, in some of those territories, like you said, 
I mean, it was it was different. Like it was a different era, and, and you know, a lot of people, you know, like you mentioned, if they're they're not smartened up, um, it's it's a very different kind of look and how you look at these people. And um, I think that's something you know where they were talking about you know, with Sam Houston and, and you know talking about the the DUIs and all that and setting the the Texas record and everything. And and there's another one where I think it was um, I can't remember who said it, but talking about or Cornette. I think Cornette was the one that said you know. He'd only been caught 20 times. You know, there's no telling how many other times mm-hmm. you're out there. And um, that that kind of parallels into what we just said with Grizzly Smith. But it's like they were talking about how, you know, Grizzly Smith using his power to to keep Sam Houston, you know, out of trouble and all this. And, and that's what, like you had just said. I mean, it's just, it, it's so hard to fathom kind of looking at back now in hindsight. And, and obviously that's the benefit we have. But it's just, th- there were so many different things from this. And, and it is one where it's like, I'm sitting watching some of this and I'm just like, it's making me sick to my stomach. Like just thinking about like some of this stuff and some of these stories. And um, I think one of the things in particular Jake's talking about, and they all sort of kind of hit on this theme, but just playing sort of those manipulative, you know, psychological games, like even on the kids, like at an early age. And we know like this was the era of, of kayfabe and all this other stuff. And, you know, wrestling was real and, and there was not going to be any, you know, doubt otherwise. And you were always going to play that up. But it's like, you know, Jake's recalling like him just really talking about how, you know, his next match is going to be life or death. And the kids are just scared to death. And it's just like, man, what a like it was. And, and, and like Rock, Rock and Robin said it like basically she used the word. And, and like, I don't know how else she come out of this, not just kind of tying that word to him, but like. She basically said, you know, like he was my monster, and like that's how he certainly comes across when you read the stuff from the past and you really watch this this hour worth of um, documentary on him. Like that's that's the that's the formation you get from all of this. It helps explain a lot about the kids too. Let's be honest. I mean, you you don't really wonder why Sam Houston set the record for DUIs in the yeah, state of Texas. True. You don't really wonder why Jake Snake Roberts wound up the way he wound up, and you're kind of. Absolutely amazed that Jake Snake Roberts still alive there, quite frankly, with some stuff he's been through, some things he's done, some things been done to him. And uh, Rock and Robin as well, not as publicized as the other two, but uh, definitely had her own, or her own things to deal with. And yeah, and there's, and it's tough to say to just don't jump on. Like how many, how many people did Grizzly affect like that? Like how many young girls or whatever? How many, like how many were there? Well, and let's face it too, like the one there, there is one part of the story that, you know, is still uh, clearly when you, you hear them all recall that part of it. But, um, you know, I think rockin' Robin's words were, were, were the most, um, I don't know, significance the word, but it's just like, you know, she's basically recalling the case of, of Joe Lynn, which was, you know, they're also part of the family. And, um, you had the, I guess it was the chief of police, uh, Texas sort of recalling the case and the kidnapping and all those other things. Um, but I mean, you've basically got Robin coming out like, Hey, I know I basically, you're just saying, Hey, I, I'm curious, like, did, did he do this? Like, you know, did she know too much? Like, did she know everything that the Grizzly Smith had been doing? And, and, you know, maybe that's just like, that was a, again, that's a very dark path and a dark road you go down. Uh, as part of this, but like that just adds another, you know, part of the story where it's just like, my goodness, um, you know, you, you can let your imagination run wild on this kind of stuff, but it's, you know, that there, there's so many, like, it's not just that part about the young girls and everything, but it's like, you have members of the family wondering, 
Like, was this something where, you know, they're, you know, sibling, like, it's just, I don't know. Like that was something where I, that was one where I think we, we had heard about, like, obviously if you, you've heard about that before with the different stories and such, which you can find out there, um, you know, recapping kind of that, that case and everything, but it's like to actually see it presented this way and then to have, you know, sort of the reaction from the kids, uh, on wondering, you know, what actually happened here. And, and they went into it a little bit, but it's like, my goodness, like that's just another layer onto this very, very complicated story of a very, very complicated family. Yeah, Jake had told that story before on his uh, DVD with the DVD from back in the day, yeah. and he had not made that. He had not made that connection. Like he, he, he talked about how you know it was the, uh, I guess the the accused was the uh, the ex-wife of her current husband, right. if I remember correctly. It's you know these. He's, it's tough to keep you need a scorecard for a lot of these relationships yes. here quite frankly but uh he had not made the connection that uh may grizzly was involved in that somehow and it's not that hard to come to that conclusion either because grizzly uh he, he was involved in a lot of different things with a lot of different people and a lot of people that were related to each other as well uh grizzly did not uh it was not against uh, having certain relationships in in the same family let's just put to put it that way yeah that um that was certainly brought up uh multiple times i think in this and um yeah it's just it is amazing to think about um you know and, and again we don't know all the details of we, we know a lot of the details of jake's story and all that but like we don't know all the details of, of the full story you know on you'll on never Jake. know all of them they right. all died with the, they all died at grizzly smith pretty yeah. much I mean, that's that's the thing. And, and I think, you know, that that sort of goes into sort of just the overall impact, I think, that it's had. And, and to think, you know, Jake's talked about it a lot. Uh, as you said, we we haven't really heard a lot from Robin, the Sam Houston stuff. We've we've heard about him, but, you know, in the wrong manner in terms of, like you said, the, the arrests and that kind of stuff. But um, it, it is wild just to, to think about the overall impact. And I think one of the things and Jake may have said this, you know, at some point before, but I, I thought that the line he had about basically saying, you know, that Aurelian, which is his real name, um, you know, hasn't basically hasn't advanced beyond, you know, whatever he said, I think it was the age of 12 or 13 or something like that. And basically saying, you know, that, that kid, like, I don't even know if it, he didn't say died, but sort of that, that kid stopped there, like as a teenager, based on everything that he had experienced. And then from there on, you know, he's been Jake Roberts. And, um, that's just like, like, you just think about that. Like that is a total, it just, just completely twists your mind. Like, it's just like to, to think about sort of the way he said that in that line, it's just like, that is such a complicated mess to think about like that guy, that's how he looks at it. Like he believes that that, that kid that he was like never was able to sort of advance beyond just those teenage years. And then that's when he became Jake the snake. And as we know, there have been plenty of twists and turns for him since that point. But it's just like, like that is as to the psychological aspect of all this, where it's just like, how is this guy still here? Like, how is this guy still? And we, we said on the last episode, it's like DDP. Like that's, I mean, that there's no other way to, but still like even the DDP stuff, like, I don't know how, how did Jake even make it to that point to even be in that position, you know, to, to do that. And as we saw, I mean, they showed the stuff from the heroes wrestling pay-per-view and all those other things. Like it's just, uh, every time I see stuff like this, anything on Jake, that's the first thing I think of is how in the world is this guy still here? 
based on everything he's gone through. And then when you get the full story, and like we said, it's not even really the full story, but when you just get, you know, the deeper dive into his childhood and everything, it even adds even more to that. It's like, how in the hell is this guy still doing what he does? Well, that's the thing is pro wrestling kind of attracts these kind of people who, yeah, Jake talked about how Aurelian pretty much uh, stopped evolving at 12 or 13. And he became Jake the Snake Roberts and, Wrestling kind of encourages people to uh, be a different character because yeah. in wrestling, you're always trying to work people. You're always trying to, you know, tell the story that you want to tell. And that's why, you know, that's why Jake and Sam Houston, Rock and Robin probably all got into wrestling business, even though it seems like a terrible idea for somebody. I mean, I, I, I always think when I hear stories like this, then their kids end up getting wrestling too, like with a uh, heck of Brian Pillman, like a, you know, not yeah. as serious a situation, but still you wonder like, why does kids get in the wrestling business? It just doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense on the surface, but then you kind of realize that wrestling is a place where you can go to uh, get away from things and uh, create a whole new persona and a whole new life for yourself. And that's what all these kids tried to do. And they didn't have a whole lot of success at creating a whole new life for themselves. That's for sure. I mean, uh, Jake definitely had his success in the business, and Sam Houston had a, had a time or two where he's doing big things, and Rock and Robin is a champion, but they never they never got out of the uh, shadow of Grizzly Smith in more ways than one. Yeah, there's no there's, a, there's no way to do it. Like it's just yeah, you're you're not going to be able to advance beyond something like that. And that's a good point about like drawing the the parallels, um, you know, with the Brian Pillman, uh, even like, you know, to, to a certain extent, like the ultimate warrior, we talked about that sort of like we mentioned his childhood and obviously completely different circumstance, but it's like, he became that character out of, you know, almost like it felt like necessity to him to, to sort of, you know, unfortunately lean too far into that character. And as we said, I mean, that's been a common theme with some of the people that have been profiled throughout Dark Side of the Ring, I mean, specifically this season. I mean, we have several examples there uh, just looking at that. But, um, yeah, there nothing like this, though. Um, and I think that's just, like, this made... I think this was probably one of the... Like, like this was one of the hardest to watch just because, obviously, there is no different... I mean, there's no story like this when you... You know, you can go up and down the line. Like, there is just... There's nothing like this that probably we've seen from a, a wrestling standpoint. I mean, sure, are there other situations out there um, that could be absolutely, we may just not know about it. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, Jake kind of said was basically there's a, there, there's so much stuff like this happening out there now. And I think it's, you know, uh, you know, Jake's story and the story of this entire family is going to get featured because, um, you know, these are, these are people who have been in the public eye before they, they've been, you know, figures in a, a very large company and that kind of stuff. But unfortunately, you know, not everyone has that luxury. And, and I think that's where, it's hard to watch this particular episode, but at the same time, I mean, you have to assume that hopefully if there is, you know, anyone out there that, that is kind of going through a situation, um, hopefully not to this extent, but like if there are any of these sort of common um, themes in there, uh, you know, whether it's growing up as a child, having to experience stuff like this, um, at least maybe, you know, there is something out of this where, you know, you're able to, and that was the closing line of, of the documentary of this episode was, you know, basically Jake just, you know, telling anyone to to run and, and to get help and do all this other stuff. So, I mean, I feel like, you know, for Jake, it's obviously, as we said, it's been quite a roller coaster. Um, now, though, when you look at him and you kind of see how far he's come, you would have to think that, hey, at least maybe for Jake, 
there there is something good that's come out of this. I mean, he's obviously revamped himself and and tried. You know, he's he's been a regular figure on AEW, but now to maybe just have that opportunity to to help someone else that is in a situation like this that that all of you know he's been in, his family's been in. Um, I don't know. I know it's it's never going to you know completely replace that feeling that he felt of of how it was growing up like that, but. I don't know for Jake to kind of go through the, you know, the DDP stuff and all that. Uh, maybe there's, there's something he can find as a positive in terms of maybe this particular episode, his story can continue to help others because it is, boy, it's just a, it's, it's one that, um, you know, you're not going to forget once you hear the story or watch the details of the story, you're not going to forget it. Yeah. There's, there's no such thing as a happy ending here. That's just not going to happen. Like and, and some of these stories, like some of the different stories on dark side do end up having something of a happy ending. There's no way that, this one too i mean even if the even if the kids you okay, reunite one day and get together it's just you know it's just not going to be one of those not happy ending all you can do in a circumstance like this i suppose is, is survive and to their credit they have all survived in one form or another yep they have and jake had uh you know talked to him and you can just see the excitement for jake you know to and about being sober for 10 years. And as we said, it goes back to, you know, a lot of the stuff that, that he's accomplished and, and the help of DDP and all this other stuff. But um, there's there's only so much that's uh, going to be able to help with something like this, and it's never going to completely uh, go away. But uh, I think just to see them all here, like we said at the beginning, um, that is, is something in and of itself, knowing that uh, what they went through, um, the odds were probably not in the favor of all of them actually being here to tell the story in 2021. Um, but uh, for, for them, for, for the ones that, that are, um, you know, that's that's still something to think about, um, especially the ones, as we said, that have gotten into wrestling and not only had to deal with, you know, all the stuff of the, the personal nature, but just to, to be in the wrestling business, too. And we've seen, you know, what the wrestling business in that era has done to a lot of people um, and, and for them to actually be in that situation, uh, to be here to, to tell the story. It, it is something, uh, to think about, but, uh, I guess Steve, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot more that to really, I mean, that was just, I thought from this episode, um, again, it's, it's one that's not easy to watch in any way, shape or form, but, um, really there's, it's a lot of the stuff that I think we had sort of known about Grizzly Smith, but when you actually hear it from, the people who were directly involved and the people who were directly affected by it. Um, it just, I think it takes it to another level in terms of uh, looking back and, and kind of knowing that, boy, this was just, um, that this was a mess. So, you know, to kind of sum it up and say it as simply as possible, uh, let's dark side, it doesn't get a whole lot darker than that. Yeah. There aren't a lot of darker stories out there in that one. Yeah. It, it was uh, a very, very dark uh, episode, and uh, we know we know what we're getting with Dark Side of the Ring, but um, that is uh, th- that that was the the case for this one. And before we get into the uh, the, the Mick Foley A and E biography, which I mean, what a what a transition! I don't think it's possible to to segue um, in terms of the the theme. Uh, but uh, the next Dark Side of the Ring uh, will be Dynamite Kid, and I think uh, that is another one that's. Gonna be not pleasant for a a different uh, reason. Obviously not, you know, based on the the actual theme that was in this one. But um, I think the Dynamite Kid one is also gonna be one where it's like, ooh, this is a guy that certainly had his issues, uh, to say the least. It'll be interesting to see who they have telling that story too, because obviously Dynamite Kid no longer with us. Um, Bret Hart not apparently not involved with the Dark Side guys anymore after that uh, particular Montreal episode. 
So, uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who they get. Yeah, I am curious uh, because that is, um, again, There's a it's a story you know, but... And with the hearts, there are some interesting storytellers there as well. Oh, yeah. Who, uh, <laughs> they, 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 they tell stories. Uh, how, how true some of the stories are, we, we don't, we're not really particularly sure. Yeah, I'm curious about the... I mean, because I, I think for the most part, a lot of people... Like the Dynamite Kid book, that will say that was released. Was that probably mm, early two thousand, late nineties, two thousand yeah. or so? I yeah. remember like reading the book, um, and I think I have. It's been a long time since I've read it, but it's like that's just one where I think back and I'm like, if I reread that now, I'm sure there would be a much different opinion just based on um, kind of you know really just diving into his story more. But I, I think that we will probably see. A lot of those things um, you want to talk about for another, you know, pretty, pretty complicated story uh, for Dynamite Kids. So I, I'm also like you, I'm curious to see who they get to to tell that one, because I, I don't know, there's probably some you can think about, and I'm sure they'll have the ones, you know, that we've seen, you know, that, that may have had those connections. I'm sure Cornette, you know, he's been in all of these and, um, and all that kind of stuff, but who actually tells the story there? That's, um, that's, see, that's the thing is I'm not sure that. I'm not sure Cornette would have ever worked with Dynamite Kid. See, and that's what I was thinking, but I, I feel like that they've put some of, like, even for people that haven't necessarily worked, I wonder if they'll just have, because I, I think, like, the way they portray Cornette, I, I feel like is almost like, and they, I think they put it on his, um, they, they use the, uh, on the overlay, it's like wrestling historian. So I feel like they're probably going to just, like, they're going to use Cornette in that, um, what A&E has kind of done with um, Peter Rosenberg and, uh, you know, all those other guys that they've kind I'm of sure presented. Jim Lozzi mentioned the same breath with uh, Peter <laughs> <Right>. Rosenberg. <laughs> yes, but um, that is, I don't know, maybe Cornette's not in there, but I, I figure that, I don't know, that they use Cornette a lot, so... Um, that would be it wouldn't be surprising. I'm just making points. I'm not sure they oh, yeah. ever cross paths. No, I I can't. I wouldn't be able to think of anything either. I guess um, overall when they they would have, but yeah. So so we'll see what they do with the uh, the Dynamite Kid uh, episode and and kind of where that goes. Uh, because then I think that that's where they have the break, and then the second half yeah. of the season uh, will come back later in the year with uh, a variety of episodes that uh, we'll we'll touch on. Uh, next week in that episode but uh, again no easy way to segue into the foley uh, a&e biography but this was one where i I don't think that uh, like we've we've said before i mean this is one where you didn't really you didn't really gain anything uh, new probably overall um i think a lot of this stuff has been told before and 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 that's been the theme of these a&E biographies, you, you know what you're getting. I mean, they're coming from a WWE slant, so you kind of understand uh, the story that's going to be told. But still, I mean, Foley, I think, has just always been someone where, I mean, like we said, if you want to compare and contrast, I mean, I think Foley's someone that you just you never really heard a lot of bad words about um, in terms of, um, you know, he's, he's a very easy-to-like guy, and I think when you consider... And they they really went with this theme here. When you consider what he did, you know, for the fans, even if it was just completely, you know, batshit crazy at times, um, you know, he did. You can't say that guy didn't didn't lay it all out there uh, for for entertaining the fans. And um, I think that was, you know, they really told that and, and going through the hell in the cell stuff and um, all the different things that that he kind of you know went through throughout his career. And um, that there was just, I think that was it. I, I can't say that there was a lot to me. It was a good, I mean, it was a, you know, a very easy two hours to watch, but I can't say there was a whole lot that really stood out from the standpoint of, oh, like that's new and, and felt like it was noteworthy uh, in that respect. The interesting thing about this, and I went into this 
documentary kind of thing. And you know, I've heard, I've heard all that stuff before. I was a I was a huge McFoley fan back in the day. You know, read all the books, watch all the DVDs, stuff like that. And I was kind of wondering, now, why would they go back and do this one when we've seen all this stuff? But then I thought about it for a while, and I was like, you know what? It's been 20 years, or more than 20 years, since McFoley wrote his first book. Yeah. So I started feeling really old. <laughs> <laughs> I feel so old watching this stuff, because then I think, you know what? There's probably a younger generation, theoretically, of wrestling fans that uh, don't know all these stories. Yeah. Because kids don't read these days. You know, we know, <laughs> we know that. We write stuff. Nobody reads it. They just That's why we do a podcast, right? Like, pod- just... <laughs> That's why we do podcasts now, because nobody listens. To, nobody reads anything anymore. So they haven't read McFoley books. They've heard about the guy on TV. They've seen him, you know, doing the Commissioner Foley character or uh, dressing up as Santa Claus or whatever. But they don't know the full story, which is shocking for people like you and me to think, because we grew up on Hell in a Cell and the Ear Instant and all that stuff. But there's... A lot of people out there that probably learned a lot from this show. Yes. And one thing kind of stuck out to me because while we're talking about books and whatnot, the, there there still seems to be quite a bitter feeling uh, uh, from from Rick Flair towards McFoley as, as far as I think it's kind of how Flair kind of feels that Foley took the business a certain direction that it didn't necessarily need to go in. Yeah, you got that here, I think, from from Ric Flair, and um, I mean, it wasn't personal. I think it was more of a matter yeah. of like how he, how the, where the business went. Yeah, I mean, because and he sort of said it like completely different. Um, you know, certainly when you talk about approaches to to how you to how you get over with the fans and and the things that you do, you know, for those crowd reactions and such. I mean, Flair's was a lot more. You know, it was a lot more psychological and just you know really got you invested from a story standpoint. Whereas Foley, it was. I mean, it was like a lot of it was based on just, you know, the incredible, wild, physical feats of, you know, doing different things like that and and doing things to your body that, um, you know, you weren't going to see in a a Ric Flair or Ricky Steamboat match in 89 or anything like that. So, um, yeah, I think that that is something that, you know, we we always because there's just so much. I mean, with social media now and everything, you, you see guys and. You know, a lot of, there can be a lot of Twitter wars and and all that with wrestlers and going back and forth, and a lot of stuff can get lost in translation sometimes. But I mean, it does. Like, it still seems like that's one where, if you really got to the heart of it, and and still to this day, you would probably think that they're. And you know what? You would probably think that Flair's not the only guy that felt that way, but Flair's probably the most high profile guy that would say it. Uh, yeah, Flair can get away with saying these things. Exactly. Like, he can get away with saying it. You know, there's probably a lot of other guys, um, you know, of that era or even guys since then that probably look at it and think, man, um, I don't necessarily disagree at all with what Ric Flair was saying about uh, maybe with, with the direction and all those other things. But, I mean, I think for Foley, like, it it came at a time where, you know, we saw, like, the business was changing. And certainly, you know, if you're going to look at the Attitude Era and kind of what it became, um, I mean, it it just fit in with some of the stuff that was being done. Like it was the wild, over the top stuff that um, you were not going to see ten years earlier, and and that just you know we saw a lot of that here in this documentary, just recalling all those things. Whether it was Hell in a Cell, whether it was the you know the Royal Rumble '99 match with Rock, whether it was you know No Way Out 2000. Like there's just they went up and down the line with all those different things, and then that was just kind of part of Foley's history. Yeah, and you know. Foley, obviously, not the, you know, he's just finished talking about Grizzly Smith and the horror, horror stories coming out of that family. And obviously, Foley, uh, completely different as far as a family man goes. There's 
nothing bad be said about him there on that front. Um, all his kids uh, seem well adjusted and whatnot. And although the the thing is with Foley, you have to wonder, and he alluded to this a little bit. They didn't go quite into as much detail, but the long term consequences. Yeah. Uh, you kind of wonder going forward what what are long term consequences for Mick Foley or for other people who try to who try to work that style. And I think we've seen some of the long term consequences, honestly. Uh, for for what some of the deathmatch wrestlers have done, what they've gone through. And, you know, the difference between them and Foley was, Foley was, he had an easier time connecting with the crowd because he had that ability. Uh, but then it kind of gets back to Flair's point where it's like, did Foley really need to do all that stuff? I mean, Hell in a Cell was the biggest thing in his career, no doubt, but, uh, and maybe he doesn't get to a certain level without it, but you still wonder, was it worth it? I yeah. think that that's I, I think that's a six four thousand dollar question, and Mick Foley uh, Mick Foley seems to think it was. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and I think that one of the things, and we've heard this before, but like I I felt like they really did a good job of him sort of opening up on that struggle he had with retirement and sort of questioning you know his legacy and all of this other stuff and. Um, you know, you're not always going to get guys that do that. I mean, you'll get guys who just, they'll always stick to their story. They'll always stick to the same sort of thought. I think that they had, you know, maybe going through, you know, their career and all this other stuff, which I'm sure we could list multiple names like that. But it's like, you did have get a sense that this is a guy who, you know, he did talk about those struggles after leaving. Um, you know, I guess that was probably after he had originally, you know, retired, quote unquote, and then came back and worked some of the matches. Then he went to TNA for several years, um, which I'll be honest, like, I don't even, I barely remember any of the stuff. Um, uh, TNA. Sadly, there's no reason to. <laughs> yeah. mean, with all due respect to Foley, and with all due respect to TNA, there's no reason to remember that stuff. Well, and I, I saw that, like, they put the, the years up there. It was like 2008 <laughs> to 2011. I was thinking, I don't even know what I could name anything. Uh, of his from TNA in that stretch, even though I, I watched it, I just don't remember any of it at this point. Um, and, and I think that was, that was an interesting part was for him to kind of talk about that, like how he really struggled with, with coming out of, you know, basically re retirement. Like, what do I do now? And, and that's, listen, we say that all, like, it's not even in wrestling. Like, you know, you look in sports, like any, anything else, like that's the big question mm -hmm. for anyone that leaves. And unfortunately that can lead to some very, you know, again, dark roads, like it can lead to some bad things. Once you get out of that spotlight, once you get out of that, you know, it is a grind, but it's also one that for guys like that who get used to it, uh, you come out of it and it's like, what is this? Like, what is normal life? Like, well, what is this? Like, how do I even do anything? Like, and I think for him again, who took it to an extreme with what he did, I can understand, like, coming out of that where you're, you know, jumping off of a cell and, and you know, do, come and going through tables and flaming tables and all this other stuff. Like, how do you go back and sit down and watch a TV show at 8 o'clock at night? Like, it's just, I mean, it's impossible to think about. And, and I just think that that is kind of the big thing with Foley that I always look back on and I'm like, I get it. Like, I completely understand why that guy had some struggles maybe uh, after, you know, getting out of wrestling. If there was anyone that's going to have that kind of struggle, it's someone like him who put his entire body and everything he had into it uh, and just did not probably at times. I mean, I'm sure there was a big struggle at times for him uh, acclimating to just what somewhat of a normal life. I mean, we're talking about a guy who, um, you know, we talked earlier about how pro wrestling provides an escape for, for people like the, like the Smith family. And Foley eventually found his escape again after retiring. I mean, 
this is a guy who spends a lot of year dressed as Santa Claus. <laughs> yes, very true. We saw we saw that. We see we see the big beard. We see him dressed up as Santa Claus and go to uh go visit people and you know, Foley loves Christmas. Everybody who reads his book knows and knows about that. So he's able to uh he's able to shake the wrestling addiction. Now he's kind of fallen into uh being Santa Claus, which is just it's another form of escape. I'm not knocking it. It's uh it's it's a good thing for him to do. At least he's at least he's found something, which a lot of the re- a lot of the ex wrestlers can't say they've uh, been able to replace that. Yeah, Vince. I think it was Vince's quote. Um, I don't remember what the question was they asked him, but that's kind of what was his response was. He's like, you know, any anyone like that, like what you know, what makes Mick Foley such a good person? And he's like, anyone who can you know lovingly be Santa Claus all year long. Um, you know, that's that's the type of guy you're getting is uh, someone who just enjoys that and and certainly has a, a part of him that, that wants to get back, wants to make other people smile and, and entertain other people. And I mean, again, talk about two different, you know, ends of the spectrum where one part of that is falling off a cell. And another part of that is, you know, reading uh, a book to kids on Christmas. Like the, it's just completely opposite ends. Um, you want to talk about having some uh, versatility. There, there's your uh, example of that, I guess, for, for Foley. But um, yeah, that's the, that's the thing is, as I said earlier, like I think he's just always come across as someone that when you look at everything he gave, um, all the things he did, his body, there's a, like there's another part of it. Like, how is this guy w- walking now? We, we know like it's, you know, it's probably not walking the way he wants it to. Not very well. To be I was going to say it, it's not well, but even the fact that he's, you know, out there playing basketball with his kid. Um, and that's what I think he had joked about. You know, it's like how many. How many feet did I get off the ground on my jump shot? And uh, you know, you could tell like it was zero. He wasn't zero. he wasn't jumping uh, on a jump shot. But uh, I think that yeah, I mean, it's just this guy and, and everything that he put into it uh, for him to still be you know standing is probably a, a miracle in and of itself uh, with all of that. So, uh, uh, and you know, the thing about Foley is I don't think we're gonna be seeing him on the upcoming episode of Dark Side of the Ring. Yeah, because you know, even with the possible problems that might come physically in the in the future, uh, he seems like he's come out of everything, and he's had his ups and downs. But he seems like one of the few guys that isn't a complete uh, complete maniac in yeah. his business. Thank God that guy's uh, still mentally sharp, um, because as we said, there could have been so many situations you look at and you think about, I mean, we've talked about it before, but it's like, you know, you can go back to just the, the rumble match with rock and all the chair shots. And like, it's just, who knows? Like, you, you know, you, you don't really know, I think until that happens in terms of the long-term effects and everything, but you know, there is an impact there of some sort. Uh, and yeah, that's just uh, something you always think about. But some of the other things I thought that, that stood out, I, I put down in my notes um, was uh, I thought it was, it was fun to see, uh, the the old videos uh, which we've seen before but like the, you know the legend of frank foley and, and all this him talking about the girl and uh messing his name up and everything and then we we saw colonel robert fuller um yeah he was there i was thinking i don't i don't even remember the last time i've seen robert fuller in anything um i thought it was kind of cool because i you know I'd, I'd read about some of those things but i don't think i'd ever actually seen some of those things so yeah. that, that was pretty cool yeah, I was thinking that. I was like, Robert Fuller, like, the, wow, this guy, I, you know, I, I I told you for some random reason, I was watching um, WCW Fall Brawl 95 last week, and uh, that was when Robert Fuller was uh, managing uh, Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck, and that was when he had his uh, his big infatuation with, with Sherry, and um, I, I don't know, it was just, <laughs> I was thinking back, I'm like, wow, this guy, 
this guy actually looked like he's yeah robert fuller like uh yeah i hadn't seen him in a while so uh it was it was interesting to see him in there and uh, i really love the fact that they you know this was where like foley's early promos and such like i just i got a kick out of, of him you know talking about the promo that that he really stood out for him was uh, telling the the little stingers that he'll come up into the crowd and beat up their parents and uh, all the other stuff like that's just like that's that, that's beautiful uh, from a a storytelling standpoint to tell the kids in the crowd hey you don't you know ch- chime down I'm gonna come up and beat your parents up in the crowd so um, that's not not everybody can get away with that so no you just don't see that in this day and age <laughs> no I don't think so um, the Miz the Miz may do it every now and then but. Uh, you don't see a lot of that. And Nobody I, I, believes in this. I was going to say, I don't think stuff. he's going to do it. So uh, there, there's he a just difference. <laughs> yes. um, and then, yeah, I mean, the other stuff uh, is just a lot of stuff we've seen before. You you got, um, you know, the footage of him losing his ear and uh, the Kane Dewey promo and ECW and um, really going into the, the dude love character and all those other things. And I always, th- this is something that always stands out to me. It doesn't matter. Like you could put this guy in a documentary about, cheese or something and i am convinced that this guy could sell me on whatever he's saying and that can probably be a good thing and that can probably be a bad thing and that's paul Heyman, like just telling the story of foley joining ecw like it's not really a a very theatrical story like it's just sort of one of your you know your basic this guy comes to this company and that but like the way paul Heyman told it it's like this was the most magical thing that had ever happened in the history of professional wrestling. And uh, I think that just, once again, it shows you why this guy is so good at what he's doing now and what he's always done really for the most part. Um, it's just like the, the way this guy speaks, like I'm thinking, I don't know, like if you, if you had just imagine Paul Heyman, like narrating dark side of the ring and just holy like shit. I don't even know what you would say at that point uh, because this guy's just the, the way he speaks is just something. So you do understand why the ECW wrestlers did some of the crazy things they did because they're they're backstage and Paul Heyman was telling them why it was going to be such a great idea. You know, guy could sell you the glasses off your own face. Yeah. To be honest. That's an unbelievable salesman. And uh, yes, I thought that uh, Paul Heyman kind of stood out as one of the, um, you know, one of the people interviewed in this uh, for that. But I mean, elsewhere, you know, the big Foley one I thought was, again, I thought it was pretty well done. Um, A guy that's, that's easy to like and, and certainly has a, a very, you know, unique story in his path to, to get to where he's gotten to, you know, as a, a star and a legend in wrestling. Um, but, uh, yeah, now we, now we wait, Steve, for, uh, part two of the Montreal screwdriver part, part 273,431 yeah. of the, the Montreal screw job with, uh, the Bret Hart episode will be the last one on A&E, uh, the, the eight part uh, event they've done here with, with all of these ones. And, uh, that will also be, which you know we're recording this, that'll be uh, on Sunday night. And uh, I mean, I'm curious. We said it like we we kind of laugh, but you really didn't get a ton of Montreal Screwjob stuff in the Shawn Michaels episode. You would think there's probably going to be a little bit more, just because Bret Hart was the central figure there. But I guess I'm also interested to see kind of what direction they go with this with him, because we've just seen so much with you know with, with the the A and E one before, like Wrestling with Shadows. All the stuff we've seen since then, his book, everything like that. Um, I don't know. Like, like, I'm curious what, if anything new, they can bring out of something like this. I do. I feel bad for poor guy too because he, he keeps being asked to re- relive the thing. Yeah, that is true. And... <laughs> every, time, every time he goes on TV, they have to ask him about. It's like, jeez, guy. I mean, the yeah. guy did other things in his career. You know, he might may ask about one or two of those things. I don't know. 
Yeah, it's got to be tough too because it's not you know it's not just that it's you know the Owen Hart stuff's gonna it has to be it's part of the story and you know I think for him too to I mean you know you can only imagine like he relives it probably every day but to actually have to you know go in depth into it um, when when he does these kind of things um, that that cannot be an easy part of it either but I do think and that, it'll be interesting it'll be also be interesting if they ask uh, well they probably won't but if they if they ask Vince about that, what, what's Vince, uh, yeah. what's his take on it now, 22 years or so later? Yeah. My guess is they, I, I can't imagine, like, because we've seen before, like in some of these, right? Like, it's very clear the the omissions they've had in some of the things where it's like, we are not touching that, um, you know, whether it's the, the Booker T thing with Triple H or... Uh, some of the other stuff that they have, you know, omitted from the stories. I mean, the the Steve Austin part of it. Like, there's th- there's lots of those different aspects uh, we've seen that that have kind of just been omitted. And I, I'm curious, you know, I can't imagine that they, they they get anything from Vince that's anything substantial other than just probably a lot of Vince reflecting on. I mean, we we laughed about it in the Shawn Michaels episode where Vince, had, you know, was laughing about getting punched and you know knocked out by Brett, but. I I don't know. Like I guess there is an appealing aspect to that. Wondering is there going to be something coming out of this with Vince that um, we haven't seen before, or something that's not just uh, being you know told again for the thirtieth time. It's uh, yeah, and we've also talked before about how Vince at this point in his life is he the uh, is he the most reliable person to ask about ask these yes. questions and yeah, not to dump on Vince too much because we do that all the time. It's it's an easy thing to do. Well, it's uh, it's also been an easy week to do that. Yeah, I think. easy week to do it as well, yeah. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I don't think that they're, you know, timing, probably not great either from that standpoint. Uh, but this is a guy who is, you know, 75 years old and turned 76 in uh, in August. So, uh, yeah, Great I, salesperson. Also, like Paul Heyman, they're a great salesperson. I mean, he manages to convince all these people that he's not the reason they got fired. Yeah. He, yeah, I, the the story is like told. me, by God, is those damn writers. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's it. So, uh, well, there's there's at least some intrigue there with the Bret Hart episode, even if a lot of it, as we said, is uh, going to be stuff that, that probably for us people who probably listen to this podcast, you you've heard a lot before. But um, I think the once again, I always think the cast of characters in these uh, can can sort of make or break what you're going to get and your your opinion that you're going to form coming out of it. So. Uh, we'll see who all is included in that. But, uh, Steve, once again, another journey in the books of uh, Dark Side of the Ring, A&E Biography, and uh, unfortunately we will just have uh, the doubleheader, uh, one more coming up uh, next week as we will uh, discuss Bret Hart and Dynamite Kid. There's some parallels when you talk about uh, careers and, and backgrounds and all that. But uh, after that, it will be uh, waiting until later in the year when Dark Side of the Ring returns for the second half of its season, but uh, Steve, uh, I know you got a lot of stuff uh, that you have over at 41mania.com. Uh, your Ultimate Warrior, your top Ultimate Warrior matches, which we discussed last week, that'll be going up. Uh, so people that are listening to this will will probably already be up on the website, but that'll be up uh, late Saturday night, early Sunday morning. So you can check that out. We kind of talked about it a little bit on the Warrior episode we did. Uh, but uh, anything else uh, you have going on? Anything you want to plug? Uh, go for it. Well, just the usual stuff at 411mania.com, the botch column, top seven, uh, various recaps. Um, did the AEW Dynamite there for a couple of weeks when I was when I had an opportunity to. Um, that won't be happening this week, so we'll see what happens on that front for those people. And, you know, the ROH recap and over on chairshot.com where we take a, 
We'll be taking a, I'll be doing a column for there that'll be probably be up by the time it gets posted where we'll be looking at all these various comings and goings in wrestling. And my God, I just I cannot keep track of all the comings and goings in wrestling anymore. It's just it's ridiculous. There's 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 too much going on, man. There's just there's too much. There is a lot happening right now, and uh, as you said, you did do our uh, our dynamite uh, coverage on Friday night, and of course there was a a big debut. Uh, Andrade is uh, making his way to AEW, and yeah, there's just there's lots happening. Uh, but uh, we we try to have it all covered over at four one one mania dot com. As always, we'll put the links uh, to all Steve's stuff uh, in the show notes, and uh, we will continue to have the uh, GoFundMe for Larry Zonka's family in there as well. So continue to share and contribute if you can. All our other stuff four one one mania dot com. All your news uh, columns, reports, uh, reviews, everything. It's all there. Check it out. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Any podcast app you use, search for four one one on wrestling and uh, thanks as always for listening to this episode of the podcast and uh, we'll talk to you next time here on 411 on wrestling podcast